Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another video from Fantasy Football Scout. My name is Az, and I am joined by a very special guest. It's Mr. Brett Taylor. It's world number three for the last season. I mean, how did you do it, Brett? Let's get straight into it. Number three, what a season you've had. Yeah, um, feels great. We all put ridiculous amounts of time and effort into this game. And um, I think, you know, there was a lot of luck involved in, in getting to very high ranks, which I'm sure we will talk about. But hey, this is what we're all here to do is to try to get those, you know, go for number one or, or number three. Is pretty close so i've just been um yeah enjoying it enjoying all the banter with my mates and <laughs> enjoying seeing my name on the premier league website and, and things like that so it's been good are you upset not to have won it how do you feel like because I, I imagine finishing in the top 10 obviously is, is in like pretty much as good as it gets but also is there a slight bit of oh i was so close to, to coming top yeah there, there has to be obviously i'm happy but um i can look back across the season and you, you leave a lot of points on the table even coming that close and you just think oh if i'd just done this or you know captained him then then that would have been enough to to get there so of course um i'll always think about those things but yeah i'm not going <laughs> to complain too much it's interesting because because i i've been looking the back at, at lots of different people's seasons using these kind of tools on fpl review FPL, FPL optimized looking at decisions that have been made and you kind of feel like if you come in those top 10 positions, you've got to kind of get every decision right, but you really don't. Like there was, there's quite a few things that we're going to talk about today, which probably didn't go the way in which you expected things like captaincy, certain players you brought in, stuff like that. Like you didn't, you had like an almost perfect season in terms of rank, but not in terms of every decision coming in. So I think it's Mark that always says, you know, the, the, the kind of the, the luck element of the game is how much you get rewarded for the good decisions and how much you get punished for the bad decisions. And as long as you don't get punished too much for the bad decisions, then you can still kind of come, you know, right in the top top levels of the of the game. So, yeah, how, how, I mean, you've been playing FPL for for years, right? I look back at your season history. You you were like one of the really early adopters um, of the game. You've had mixed success, should we say? Your ranks have been everywhere you've, you've had like 16k you've had like 400,000 um you know 600,000 what you know what what do you like so much about what FPL yeah you're probably being kind almost because it's, it's quite an average rank history <laughs> looking back at it and, and I don't even remember how I first got into the game although I remember you know growing up enjoying playing championship manager and football manager and always loving and um and watching football and, and that kind of thing so it doesn't surprise me that i found my way to fpl but in those early seasons particularly in australia we could barely watch any games we didn't have you know anything like the access to data and and the community with all the advice and the tools and, and all of that that we have now so those early seasons i think i was really just um flying blind and and then almost sort of looking through the years i can see periods when i was um, very involved in in the football scene here in australia and and the premier league would have been a bit yeah. of an afterthought so it wasn't until probably the last few seasons when i think a lot of the experiences i've had in football um, as well as you know studying some some economics and and some game theory and, and things like that as well as just having a bit more um, time on my hands um, have kind of all come together to help me start getting a few um, a few better ranks recently. I mean, in terms of your kind of career and, and past experiences in football, I mean, you're an ex-performance analysis uh, for an A-League club. So, you know, you're kind of like the best equipped, really, to, to you know, look at players and, and understand things. How, how much do you kind of use that in your in your day-to-day? -day? Like, because obviously we've got all the, all the analytics tools these days, models and rate my team and all this kind of thing that can do some of that work for you. You know, I, I don't know how active you are on Twitter, which was going to be my kind of next question and on Scout, but you've got this kind of battle between Grass FC, um, Analytics FC, watching games versus data and, and stats. Where do you kind of sit on that? Because we're going to look at some of your calls over the season. You are incredibly good at predicting when players are going to score. 
that is like your one of the main successes that you you've had particularly this season do you find that kind of career history helps with with spotting those kind of those kind of things yeah it definitely does help i mean or at least feeds into the way i play and and you know based on this season it seems to to be helping um although i would say you know very humbly that i, I don't i'm not an an oracle and, and a lot uh, there's as what? much luck as there is skill in, <laughs> <laughs> in a lot of those picks but um yeah i i would say that my play style is it's a bit of a hybrid um where i do rely on on data um a lot i think um the the whole you know one versus the other is can get a little bit silly at times because even people who mostly prefer to watch games and make decisions on that you know if you see a player get into a good position three times that's data you know you've counted that mm. three times but none of us or almost none of us are you know have the time to watch 380 full matches across a season and, and have the memory to remember everything every player did throughout that so using stats to help you know just essentially effectively watch games for you and, and collect all of that um is i think the best place to start um for anybody playing this game um What's and then it just gets more yeah so this season i have started um using fpl review quite a lot so you know expected goals expected assists um i think is probably the best that's out there i don't think that's the entire story of, of what's going on in football but um you know again short of watching it all yourself and putting your own context over things that's sort of the best that's there and and yeah i think we're blessed now with the number of tools out there um that that does a lot of the work for you and um i yeah don't have my own model or my own optimization sort of tools and that kind of thing but i think it's really important that you know what goes into those things so you know i watched some of sir Talp's videos the creator of F fpl optimized um the start of the season to sort of follow along and, and just to sort of see what they were doing because i think um, if ever you're going to bet against the models which i do on occasion it's it's good to know you know what what that means what's in there and what's not in there and so if you're if you have a hunch that maybe takes you in a different direction whether that sort of has merits or mm. whether you're just asking for trouble it's very interesting because i i, I get my first screen up so this is this is using fpl review um, and this is looking at the top three in the world so um, there's, there's you with the green arrow blow in, in third uh, and then jb piggott and, and savannah singh in, in first and second and i didn't know whether you kind of followed fpl optimized or review or any of that kind of stuff but hearing you say that and then looking at your kind of chart compared to the others shows that you know you, you clearly do have this kind of tendency to agree with what the kind of model says and, and and play i don't know if it's really playing safe but playing kind of optimally as 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 the analytics guys used to say it because if you have a look at, at jamie piggott for example in, in number one um if you look at the free model and and the massive data this is their kind of using the live ranks thing on on the right that kind of shows how closely you follow the kind of model picks for example so the lower the rank the closer you followed the model in, in essence so if we if we take the massive data, which is kind of like the paid version of of FPL review, uh, Jamie Pickett is is nine k, sort of around the ten k mark. Uh, if you look at Savannah Singh, he's twenty one point four k, which indicates that there's a lot of people who are following these kind of optimal moves a lot closely than than him, and indeed with with Jamie as well. But you're seven hundred nineteenth, so the majority of moves that you make are very much in line with what the kind of model suggests. So it's, it's, it's really interesting because it's, it's, there's completely different sort of play styles here. You've almost got, you've almost got Jamie, who's kind of somewhere in the middle, making kind of optimal moves, maybe taking a few risks and going against it. You've got Savannah, who seems to be much more likely to go against what the kind of the, these, these kind of optimal moves are. And then you've got you who follows them kind of quite, quite strictly. Do you know that you're kind of doing that? Or is that just kind of in general how you like to approach the game? Yeah, I, I use the models most weeks. Um, certainly not, you know, following it so closely where I'm, I'm following suggested transfers or letting it tell me what to do or anything like that. But I'll more just use it as a sense check. Mm. If I have a move that I like, I might just see how that stacks up. Um, or if I'm not quite sure on what I want to do, I might have a look there and, and use that to narrow down, you know, what's the kind of top 
five or 10 players I should be looking at just to help, you know, make the decision a bit clearer with something like that. But um, yeah, I do follow, um, you know, I have been using reviews tool um, or season review tool there throughout the season. And, and um, I was actually a bit higher up um, around game week 30. I was around 200, I think on the massive data and then, um, but made a conscious decision to really bet against the crowd um, for the run in to go for number one because you know I was, I was ranked in the top 100 around then but you know what's the difference between 100 or 200 compared to <laughs> 101 right so um, I got rid of TAA I got rid of Salah um, and started making some suboptimal moves but just for the sake of you know creating difference and knowing that I was more likely to, to fall than rise but at least I had a, had a chance that way and yeah, not everything came in, but um, but a few things did um, to the point where on the last day I was doing things like, you know, benching Saka just because the the few players who were left above yeah. me mostly owned him and, and things like that just to just to again to create some kind of a chance because if you own the same same players as those above you, obviously you can't you can't catch them by definition. Exactly, it's, you kind of feel like it's going to make the game even harder as these models get get more kind of well known and more people start using them obviously they're going to get stronger and, and better as well and more able to predict these kind of results that it's gonna it's gonna be a case of having to bet against this and it, and when you're betting against other players making kind of you know different decisions it's one thing but when you're betting against a kind of a, a model which i think the person who followed the model exactly this season came about 200th is that right 250th something like that i mean it's a real it shows that this kind of thing can can really start to work it, and I feel a bit kind of funny about it in a way because in some ways I feel like it kind of sucks some of the fun out of the game if you're kind of if, if people are just going to follow a model kind of exactly. But then, like you say, then the fun kind of then comes in trying to get ahead of it and 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 beat it kind of in that sense. Um, I mean, what you are incredibly good at doing, and and the best of the top three, is is like I mentioned with with goals and. And especially with expected goal data as well. So you ranked in the top 100th for bringing in players who had high XG. And then that translated, because it often does, into bringing in players who scored lots and lots of, of goals. Um, yeah, I mean, have you, have you had that knack in previous seasons? Or, or do you, was, it, was, it, was there something special about this season that you noticed? Or, or was it all variants? <laughs> No, I, I had a couple of quite good seasons about three or four years ago where I ended up finishing around 11K mm. and, and 6K. And I think in both of those cases, from memory, I was ranked a bit higher. And similar to what I said before, I made a few plays betting against the crowd. And, and in those you know cases, they didn't come off and, and I fell back a bit. Um, and um, yeah, I think I've I've continued to kind of learn you know from meet the manager videos and, and things like that I, i'd say I'm, I'm really a representative of the quality of content that is out there and tools that are out there and, and things like that that i've added into my game to to get better um and this season everything just seemed to just seemed to click particularly through that first half of the season it just felt like i was on autopilot and i was always just one transfer ahead of mm. the template or ahead of the crowd and Part of that, I think, was good planning and the way I, you know, set up my team from the start and, and played my wild card and things like that. But, you know, there was also, you know, a little bit of luck there where, you know, maybe my players weren't the ones who were getting an injury or things like that or getting, you know, COVID cancellations once yeah. we got to that stage of the season. So, yeah, in all of these ranks and things like that as well, you know, if your player, um, you know, caught COVID and then they're out for a few weeks and you have to spend a transfer to swap them to somebody else, that's not going to, um, you know, show up that you had that bad luck in, in the model, even though obviously you're going to have less projected points um, in those future weeks. So, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, I think this season was a very unique one in the way that it played out um, with its di- the different phases of it as well. Mm. So um, my, I think my kind of um, hybrid type of, of play style where, I'm, where I have a few different mental models to, to try to apply to the different types of puzzles that it threw up. It was something that probably stood me in good stead, I think. It's refreshing to talk to someone who's finished so highly and puts in work and, you know, obviously, I mean, you you look at the variant scores across the the top three. Um, So this is kind of the luck kind of element of of how much your your decisions kind of paid off against what 
the expected kind of voids were. And obviously the top three are all like 100% variance because the model can predict something, you know, six points and then the player gets 20. And that's that kind of example of, of variance. So there's always going to be that element of it for the people who finish in, in the top in the top levels. But the fact that you know about these tools, the fact that you're kind of active on, on Twitter, the fact you listen to podcasts, it kind of gives hope that it's not just all luck because you absorb stuff and you you look at different things and that kind of helps your strategy and like you say over the seasons you kind of get better and you know you, you're you, you're now you've gone from having kind of quite poor ranks early on <laughs> to be honest but they're, they're starting to get better now and you're starting to use these things and I think you know the, the days of you finishing 500k are are gone now because now you've got these kind of weapons to to use to to propel you up Hopefully. Yeah. That's the plan anyway. Yeah, I hope so. No, it's a shame. You know, there's a few seasons there as well where I think, I, you know, life got in the way and I, and I would have just um, dropped off completely, which is a shame now because I never thought anybody else would, would look at that page except for me. <laughs> but um, it comes with um, finishing third. But, um, you know, definitely already looking forward to the next seasons and trying to, you know, maybe, you know, repeating it <laughs> this round yes. is probably not realistic. but. But hopefully, you know, showing that, um, showing myself as much as anything that I can finish quite highly again, because um, that's the real, you know, proof of, of skill, I think, in this game is that sort of repeatability. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was, you know, this season enjoying having finished third, but I don't, definitely don't think that, um, you know, I outplayed all but two players in the world or, or something like that. I think I had a good season and, and um, won a lot of coin tosses, so. It's, it's, um, yeah, let's take a look at your your season and your kind of like best players like for the season. So um, this is your kind of team of the season. This is from FPL Optimized. Uh, so you've got Ramsdale in goal, uh, Trent Cancelo-Robertson, Salasson, Jota, Bowen, Mount, uh, Kane, and then Antonio is in there as well. So, I mean, the, obviously the big one uh, is, is Son. You were, you know, it, he, it pains me every time I do these, look at these things and I see someone with, with Son in there because, you know, you, you had Son and Kane um, both in your, in life. Did, did you have those both for most of the seasons or were you just on, were you the one, one of the people that just backed Son for his incredible run? Yeah, I had Son for a lot of the season. I came on to Kane um, a bit later, um, but pretty much. Um, you started with the you know, season with Son, I believe. I did. I did. I think I, yeah, I liked the first few fixtures there or to be honest, you know, he might've been there as a, with a bit of a a booked in transfer or or something like that. But um, then I I got rid of him, but once um, Conte took over at Spurs, um, I was speaking with um, my mate MJ, who's a big Inter fan. He's been following Conte very closely, looking at his tactics, the impact that he's had on teams um, and the role that, you know, Kane and Son would likely play within that system. And it would it's very structured, it's very predictable and, and all about getting that player in that Son role in front of goal. And we know that, you know, Son, if he's in that position, is is gonna do well. So um yeah, I, I jumped on I think straight up straight away after mm. um, Conte was appointed um and had him for most of the rest of the season. And that's an example where you know, we talked about models and, and what is in them and, and isn't in them. Um, and it's going to take a while for, for Son's data to show up in, in, a, in a model exactly. and for yeah. it to sort of get a bit higher on him, whereas I had a hunch and it was right. But, you know, earlier in the season, it's funny to see Lukaku on, on this list because I only <laughs> owned him for a few weeks. And I think that's more of an illustration of only really using Antonio and Kane as my, my strikers for, for most of the season. Um I, I had him, had Lukaku for a few weeks there, but, th- but that wasn't working. And, s- and so then I jumped off and, and tried tried the next thing. So it's not necessarily that, um, you know, that I'm going to be right every time, but um, yeah, Son and, and then later Kane. I, I just feel like Spurs were, had a bit of a, a perception based on previous seasons and how they started the season. But um, from, from around the time that Conte got going, they were as good just about as any other team um, out there. So I was pretty high on those two. I really, I really like that because that, that to me is the perfect way of, of, of playing FPL. Like you can, you can use models to, you know, like you say, help you make decisions and, and useful to sense check stuff. But when you've got a hunch like that, the models are slow to react to things. I mean, the, a good example of that was, was Gundogan a few seasons ago. Like the data that gets fed in is much more about his position as a deep lying midfielder. And when you actually watch the games, you see that he's playing 
way more advanced exactly what you said is it's going to take the model a while to catch up and if you wait all that time then it's obvious everyone's got him in you've got to kind of react early to to get in these 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 kind of players and yeah son i mean i i i just completely missed that that boat on son just just the whole season i think only only for one week right at the end uh and yeah i thought kane was the better option and you know i think looking back on it it was it was a system thing. You're right. And and when I when I watched Son play, I went to the Emirates to watch the Spurs Arsenal game, and I saw Son playing as the kind of central striker. It was just like, yeah, this 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 just really you know shows just how 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 wrong I was I was on that. So yeah, uh, Son was. If we look at your best players, Son was right at the top. He had the biggest impact on your season by a significant uh, margin. Um, you netted 141. Uh, points uh, from Son compared to other players. I think mine is probably the complete reverse um, of that. I think he was the one that hurt me the kind of most. Uh, and if you look at the kind of, you know, uh, other players on your list, I mean, Mount is there um, with, with 69 points you know, in second. Diaz is an interesting one, 61.6. He, he did well for you. Uh, players like Robertson, De Bruyne, Ramsdale, even Lukaku, who you mentioned, who didn't have a very long. Uh, compared to other players, these are your kind of real kind of standouts and Odegaard's on there as well which is interesting you mm. you must because again he was a player that I watched and I thought I, I didn't really like what I saw because I thought he often he often dropped deep but he was someone that you you saw potentially what maybe more so than some of the others yeah I picked him up around that um I think it was game week 30 when there was only four or five fixtures and Arsenal was was one of them so it came down to um, getting him or Martinelli just to just as a cheap midfield to, to fill out that spot, to be honest. And um, and there's a few players on this list, mounts like this, Diaz's like this, who I just think um, are safer players mm. to uh, play more minutes in the long run. Um, whereas I remember at that time, Martinelli was a more exciting option, but um, Smithrow, I think, was floating around it, you know, to, to potentially take some of his minutes through the rest of the season. So sometimes when you um, are doing well, you know, doing well in terms of expected points or expected value, it's because you've, you know, picked the right player that week or, or over two weeks. But I think one of the secrets to my success was picking these players who were there for the long term um, so that six weeks after I've brought them in, they're still a yeah. good option and still playing regularly. And um and I didn't leave myself ever with many headaches or fires to put out or, or painted into a, a corner um, on many occasions. And Odegaard, you know, scoring on the, the final day was sort of a nice um, little icing on the cake there. But um, to be honest, I think he's probably a better player in real life than, than in FPL. But um, he just sort of found his way into my team based on on those fixtures and mm. and then stayed there. So we that because I mean it's such a turbulent season. You know, some things you, obviously you can't predict which games are going to get called off and all that. But it's almost like in such a turbulent season, you want to be able to control those aspects of. You know, if you're going to get a game cancelled, you've got to make transfers. You also don't want Martinelli taking the place of or, or Swift Row taking the place of Martinelli in a game and losing that player as well. So going for these kind of safer picks, um, you know, probably probably was a good strategy. I'm always trying to find that kind of big explosive return so you know when I was offered 75% likelihood of Martinelli you know playing but potentially a bigger ceiling than Odegaard I'm I'm someone that always kind of gravitates uh, to that whereas I think listening to what you're saying it, it makes complete sense to, to you know sometimes ignore that and just go for the kind of the safer safer options why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Go to your happy price, price line. Um, looking at your kind of worst players, I mean, the, the top one here is, is Ronaldo. I don't think you own Ronaldo all season. Is that right? No, I didn't have him once. <laughs> what was the what was the thinking behind that? Um, I, I think just the times when um, United had the, the good double fixtures. I, I brought in Bruno, I think, for every single double that United had. Um, so it just happened to be the way my team was was set up at the time, I think. Um, and yeah, for the most part, I, I tried to play with five strikers and uh, sorry, five midfielders, and, and didn't really invest much in my forward line because I think that's just the way the game is, has kind of um, has kind of gone. And you've got midfielders who get an extra point for a goal and an extra point for a clean sheet compared to strikers, but many of them, like Son, like we discussed, are playing just as close to goal or even closer to goal than than the forwards. Um, these days, so maybe it was just a team structure thing and a bit of bit of a circumstantial thing that um, that I never had Ronaldo. Mm. But you went for Lukaku, which is interesting. So you mm. must you must have seen a, a greater potential in in Lukaku um, than, than Ronaldo, I'm guessing, because they what they were kind of around the same price. Um, I think you got yeah. Lukaku in, you know quite early as well. Obviously, you weren't going to get him later in the season when he wasn't in the team. So you kind of had that spot for him, but then that just didn't work out. <laughs> Yeah, I brought him in game week four and, and had him for about four weeks. And, you know, like I think around that time, it was probably him or Ronaldo that most people were tossing up between. And and again, maybe thought that Lukaku was a little bit more of a stable pick, whereas with Ronaldo's age, once European games came around, maybe he would start having some minutes trimmed or mm. things like that. But I, that was a long, <laughs> a long time ago it now. And, and I can't remember if I had a strong feeling about that, but I do remember... You know, after Lukaku wasn't quite doing it, just sort of thinking about that trend about the forwards and, and just moving away from that. Um, and I think my next sort of few transfers was shifting money backwards in my team. Mm. And and that sort of got me into the structure, which I sat on for a long time, which seemed to work well. Almost like the, the failings of Lukaku in that striker spot made you realise just how superior the midfielders and, and defenders were in a way so quickly adapted to that and then changed tactics to avoid the, the high you know the, I mean you had Kane obviously but he was he was kind of an easy one to have but not loading too much money up front um, meant that you could kind of find the, the goal and, and like I said you were so good at finding finding goals in, in, in the midfield um, another play here is Salah uh, so Salah's on your kind of uh, bad list in a way which is crazy when you think of how many points he got and, and how often you kind of owned him um, but you weren't afraid to, to go against him, clearly, because you, you didn't actually gain any points from Salah over the season compared to other people. Uh, you, it was a net of minus 42 um, points. Oh. So what what was the kind of thinking there? Were you were you happy to, to back against him? You know, w- was that kind of more towards the end of the season when you were going against him? Or were you doing that kind of at the start of the season as well? No, I had him up until AFCON and took him out for that because... Again, you know, my team was in fairly good shape, so I could spend my transfers doing that rather than on other things and trying to use those those funds to get points elsewhere. Um, and then sort of brought him back in with that sort of chip run when Liverpool had a, a couple of doubles, but I think a lot of that loss that I had would have been triple captaining triple captaining him on the wrong double. Mm. Um, so that was, you know, just a bit unfortunate, um, but just worked with how my team was was set up at the time. Um, so no regrets there. But then um, from game week 32, I wanted to start, um, yeah, going against the crowd a bit to, to have a, a shot at one. And I took out Salah for Bruno initially because wow. he had <laughs> Everton when they were at sort of at their worst and then um, two double game weeks sort of back-to-back after that. Um, and Bruno scored six points across those five matches, which he started all of. <laughs> and um, my rank kind of collapsed a bit. And, and that's where Salah would have made some of those gains on me yeah. as well. But then I you know, switched from Bruno to De Bruyne for the rest of the season and, um, and made that ground back up. But um, yeah, my, my feeling around um, Salah was that um, he was one I was kind of happy to bet against because I had a bit of a, a theory that after he played so many minutes at AFCON um, that he wouldn't come back 
um, quite the same player. And I know Data has shown that he was getting mm. as many chances as he was before and that kind of thing, but he was rested a couple of times too, which um, with all the competitions that Liverpool were in and with Diaz being there to take pressure off him and, and that kind of thing was, you know, another another part of what I thought could happen there. But, you know, to be honest, it was just a bit of um, just yeah. a bit of a roll of the dice as well. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's logic there though, right? It's, it's a, it's a, again, it's, it's similar to the kind of Son thing. It's doing research, it's looking ahead, planning ahead and, and making that decision. And I mean, it worked out as well as it possibly could have done. I think so um, Salah, I think only had one, one big return after he came back from AFCON, which was against United in, in other games. It was, uh, you know, uh, apart from obviously the, the big sort of triple captain thing, which we'll talk about in a sec. Um, he, he wasn't hitting those kind of big, big returns. And in fact, after his kind of massively explosive start to the season, the kind of double digit returns for him weren't weren't that huge. Uh, I mean, after game week nine, for example, he had one double digit return in, in, you know, up until 26. So, you know, it was, yeah, taking him out was, was, was actually really sensible. And I, and I think it was something that I was too scared to do. And I think in, in the end, it was it was obviously you had to bring in the players that, that got points. That and De Bruyne was perfect at the, at the end of the season. If you, if someone who did Salah to Son, for example, which is what I could have done, the amount of points involved in that switch is is just crazy. It doesn't always work out like that. It could have been Salah went crazy, but it was kind of the combination of a you've got this data from Syria that and your hunch that Son's going to kick on, and then the extra knowledge that Salah's not going to do. With things like that, payoff in FPL, it's it's a, it's a great feeling. <laughs> Uh, let's take a look at your your season. So this 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 chart's a bit of a a bit of a, a traffic light uh, system. Uh, this is from Live FPL. You can download uh, basically your your kind of game week history and see uh, your your best players. You'd probably be looking at that and, and thinking, I can't see any of this. I just wanted to put this in to highlight just how incredibly consistent uh, your season was. I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So nine red arrows for the whole season. Um, two of those kind of right at the start in seven and eight. And then three right near the end. These, this was the Bruno Fernandes um, experiment, uh, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, for, particularly for two of those because you captured him twice in 32 and 33 and, and he blanked in, in both of those. But what I found really interesting about this was your chip use because your, your chip use wasn't great, <laughs> really. I mean, you, I mean it's, it's, obviously it's hard to judge. I'm talking about kind of immediate returns and the wild card, for example, you shouldn't judge on, on immediate returns. But you wild carded in game week seven had a red arrow you then had another red arrow in game week eight and then went on a, an amazing run of like seven or eight greens off the back of that what was the thought with the with the because it was an it was a slightly earlier wild card than than a lot of people did which which was in game week eight how come you used it in in seven and is that round about when you normally use it yeah i, I don't um like to book it in 100% uh, at the start of the season. Although, you know, the fixture swing for City and Chelsea um, looked really good at that time. So it was always on my radar, depending on what kind of um, shape my team was in. And I think there was just enough changes where even though I was, you know, sort of wildcarding from a position of relative strength because I'd started okay, um, I yeah brought in double City defence and, and triple Chelsea and, um, for the fixtures that they had coming up. And um, yeah, I, I kind of look back with a little bit of pride that I started with two red arrows and then had all of those greens because, yeah. it, you know, <laughs> I, I knew that that would be my last chip for a long time. So um, there's no more safety now than I really wanted to plan for the long term and, and pick those, you know, rock solid picks that would be no regrets and, and not, you know, turn into headaches for me. And, and so, I brought in double city defense and in game week seven, they played Liverpool and both of those players scored zero. Um, so that was just sort of goes <laughs> to show that I had the longer term um, in mind with them. And um, I was actually um, looking at the screen before with the players who hurt me, um, James and, and Chilwell just sort of caught fire just after my wild card. So I had Rudiger and Diaz instead. Um, and so that was um pretty painful sort of thinking like I've actually gone too safe here and what you were saying before about being tempted by those explosive picks I think that there's definitely um, you know you need to get that balance right and I was maybe too conservative there and, and got a little bit lucky that they, that they ended up getting injured and um, sort of not becoming problems for me any longer um, 
but um, yeah, that was that was sort of the thinking with that first wild card, and then looking later in the season. Um, one thing I'll say is that my wedding was on the day before game week 28. So maybe there's a correlation <laughs> with uh, being a bit less engaged around then. But um, I think just getting um, yeah, a bit unlucky with that sort of seller um, triple captaincy and just sort of having the, the sequence of chips that I don't think it was necessarily um, a mistake in hindsight, but just this sort of way it suited my team. Um, and, you know, missing out on one or two of the holes there as you're just trying to navigate the, the fixtures and the blanks and getting as many doubles as possible. Um, but again, the kind of the longer term setup that I'd looked at sort of paid off um, towards the, the later rounds. So not necessarily um, a mistake on the wild card. Because I mean, if I if I said to you after game week eight, you play the wild card in seven and then in game week eight, you're ranked 284,000. If I said to you, you're going to finish third, after that you would have been like yep okay i'll take that like absolutely because yeah it's it's an interesting i mean obviously being 280k game okay isn't isn't a bad position but you know, having two red arrows off the back of the wild card and then to have you know eight greens in a row is yeah like you say it's amazing kind of forward planning to have that and then i just find your chip use so interesting in game week 26 because you followed this kind of pattern which became really popular when those double gamings got announced which was what which was basically using all your chips in one big like burst uh, in the wild card, the free hit, the bench boost, and then the triple captain. And decision making wise, I completely get it. But if you look at the outcome of it, I mean, the free hit in 27 was a bit of a disaster because Man City didn't batter Everton like a lot of people thought. Um, you got 60 points, the average was 54. So six points off the back of the free hit. You then bench boosted in 28, got a red arrow off that. So you still had some players coming in, Saka and Son, but you didn't do any better than, than you know, because there was lots of free hits being played on, on that week and, and that kind of thing. But then triple captain in 29, which was the Salah 10 points when he obviously got all those points sort of a, a few weeks earlier. So it just didn't, it's amazing that that, you'd think that would be such a key part of the season. That's, you know, four chips in four weeks back to back. I would have thought if if you didn't get big returns from those four chips, there's no way you could finish, um, you know, as highly as you did. But you your rank didn't really change that much. You were 55th going into that wild card, and then you came out of it all the chip use at 46th, and then kind of you dropped a little bit. You dropped down to kind of 200th in, in the 33rd, but then sort of came back. So again, it just shows not everything's got to go perfectly, right, to to finish highly. Yeah, very true. I think I think this, you know, the points totals were record highs this season. Yeah. I think I read somewhere as well, based on just having so many doubles, I think, and so many big swingy weeks that that's natural that that um, was the case. But yeah, looking at that Bruno run, of captaining him there, looking at missing the salad triple, never owning Chilwell, never owning Kulisevsky, yeah. um, because I, you know, the, the Son and Kane double up with, um, with one of their wingbacks sort of locked me out of him. So many different... <laughs> opportunities to have got even more points so it's pretty you know ridiculous how far off the actual like maximum total we yeah i know yeah because you you think someone would hit everything just through there's like nine and a half million people playing you think someone just by luck would hit everything but no one no one did it was yeah it just shows how kind of difficult season it was um kind of was to predict uh, just my final table um, here. So this is your your stats. I just I just grabbed someone um, who finished ten thousand as well, just to kind of compare um, some of these things because there's there's a lot of talk around captaincy and how important captaincy is. Um, you had a non-blanking, um, so seven plus return from your captain, sixty four percent of the time. Well, ten k, sixty percent of the time. So not a huge amount in it. Uh, obviously, it doesn't include kind of the hauls that you got from those players. Like you you probably got much bigger hauls than, than they did um, when, when they delivered. But in terms of, you know, when you pick a captain, I pick a captain, who's not going to blank here? If your captain gets a return, most of the time you're kind of relatively happy with with that. It's when, it's when your captain blanks, that's when it's it's really it really sucks. Uh, so not a huge amount of difference in there. Um, the biggest difference here is, is just in the goals. Um, I mean, 37%. Um, you had a success of 37% with, with the players, you know, scoring. That was from uh, 29% from the from the World 10K um, example. Clean sheets around the same. Uh, assists around the same. 21 for you, uh, 19 for them. Uh, bonus around the same, 25 to 24. 
goals. How? How? <laughs> how do? How do we do what you did this season, Brett? You were so good at predicting when players were going to score. I think that's really interesting, given that I, yeah, played with um, you know most of the time just with one striker, and even through the start of the season, Antonio started well and then he he wasn't going that well but i never bothered really replacing yeah. him because i just didn't like any of the any of the other options that much more so i think that's um, one thing i take out of that that midfield um can do midfielders can do that job if you're picking the players who are on pens and, and things like that but um i think another thing that um i look for is are those are those big holes and those real mismatch type of games so mm. For example, um, in on my free hit in game week thirty-seven, um, I you know using fantasy football scouts predicted lineups, not just the teams that I have players from or might want to pick from. I also look at all of the opponents as well, and seeing that Watford had ten players, I think yeah. it was out with <laughs> injury and suspension. Um, that's the kind of thing that I I look for, and so I brought in Vardy and Madison on my free hit, and and Captain Vardy, even though they had Chelsea in the second game of their double and, and some of the other teams had better doubles um just that one match against the weakened team stood out so much um that that was an opportunity for for you know one of those really big scores yeah. um so yeah I, I play um a draft game on fan tracks with um with my mates as well and i think that makes you pay attention to a lot more teams than maybe you need to 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 play fpl but that probably helps me as well just keeping track of some of those sort of teams that you normally focus on a bit less and oh yes if that player's out there you know he's really important to them so there might be an opportunity there for you know to captain differential against them because they think they might be weaker or, or something like that so that's the only other thing I can think of other than dumb luck as to uh, how, I, how I found all those goals. It's just, it's so nice to, to hear from, from someone who's finished so high, who, who, you know, has actually does research and looks at, at, at these kind of things. Cause I've, I've talked to, you know, people previously who have finished really highly and it's, it's not always easy to get more out of them than I'm just lucky. <laughs> and like, it's nice in a way, cause it's kind of humble and, and modest and, and, you know, but you want to believe that the more effort you put in, the, the kind of the greater the rewards. And yeah, I think talking to you and, and, you know, talking about, you know, having football knowledge and looking at different websites and looking at FPL strategy and, and uh, review and optimize and all this kind of thing um, can, can help so much. So I think mm. it, this is, this has made me feel better about my, my <laughs> obsession with, with looking at this kind of stuff. <laughs> It's a it's a cruel mistress where the the effort and reward are definitely um, not correlated. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoy the puzzle and the the problem solving of the game, and so I enjoy thinking about it and and, and talking about it. But um, yeah, I definitely come with that caveat that I don't think it's just because I've thought more or or longer or harder than other people that you finish third. I do think <laughs> that um, a lot of people play very well, and then some get a bit luckier to get right up to the very high ranks but um you know given the opportunity very happy to at least share where i'm coming from and hope that someone can take something from that yeah fantastic um we've got a few questions uh from the community for you uh, just before we we wrap this up i think i told you this would be 25 minutes and it's already at 45 it, it, it never it always it's always, i think it's just me i just think i just waffle on too much and and but it's it's really great to, to talk to talk to you about this um so I think the, I think the the best question we had was uh, about being Australian, right? And FPL deadlines obviously are, are difficult because you're in a completely different time zone, and then you've got the added pressure of, of COVID cancellations, and you know it's when kind of last minute news is is so kind of crucial, which you know you're fast asleep for um, <laughs> most likely. Uh, so yeah, how, how do you kind of deal with 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 that? Do you find that is a big kind of handicap for you? What could FPL do about it? I think is is another is another question. Hmm. Yeah, there's pros and cons. I think um, you know, with our broadcaster here in Australia, we have every match on the one on the one streaming service, and that you've got on demand, you know, highlights and things like that. So I think compared to you guys, there, it's maybe a bit easier That's to yep. watch whichever games that you you do want to. So that's an advantage. But um, yeah, the, it's the Friday night. UK kickoffs that um, that really kill us here because that's usually at about 5 a.m. on a on a Saturday morning our time and so unless you want to stay up through the whole night because 
obviously it's the time, you know, two or three hours before deadline when you're looking for that late news. Just couldn't do that. Um, and so, yeah, particularly when matches were getting cancelled at the last yeah. minute, that was um, that was a bit of jeopardy there. And that, um, I'll never forget the, the night that I brought in Bruno um, along with Dallo for those, um, you know, as that sort of differential around game week 32, I was actually away camping with my mates and it was a Friday night around the campfire. I had the hotspot off one of their phones because I had no surface to... Oh, you really uh, are one of us. You really are one of us. Oh, no, they were like, what what is going on? But, you know, they kind of get it now. Um, But, you know, I couldn't get on Twitter and see whether he was injured or sort of really do my research and and make that decision in an informed way. So that was another one of those sort of Friday night ones. Um, That is quite tricky for us, but... Um, yeah, and in terms of what FPL could do about it, I mean, maybe an maybe an earlier, a much earlier deadline, um, so that nobody's getting any of that last mm. minute information. That's the only thing I can think of. But um, yeah, I'm I'm not sure. It's, it's we, really we it's may a, just it's have a, to take it on the chin. Yeah, it's a really tricky one for them because obviously, like with this amount of people playing, the fact they want it to be this kind of global game that's played all different countries and, and everywhere. It is it is an advantage for 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 us to be able to check. You know, the fact there are still some team leaks coming through in the morning is better than it was last year. But there's still some information that we're getting when people are, are asleep. So there is, you feel like there there needs to be something that kind of changes if if it's really going to reach the kind of global heights of of hitting every kind of country across the world. But yeah, I can't see any other way of doing it than what than what you said, unless they brought in some kind of. Um, I don't know, auto sub rule, you know, if your player's benched, maybe a, a player comes in, you can select whether a player comes in, you know, like that. Because, I mean, a fan team, for example, if for the daily games, they have a um, a safety net, it's called a safety net. So if you pick a player, that player doesn't play, you get the next player in the price that comes in. I I, I don't, I'm not saying that's what they should do. I'm just wondering if that would be a way of keeping people more engaged. Because if, if someone comes in and their player hasn't played, Straight away, it's like, oh, screw this game. You know, I could have known that if I was awake, but I'm not going to wake up at 4 a.m. to to, to do it. Um, yeah, I just wonder if... if, yeah. if can I share, yeah, can I share one more thing that, that happened? Um, yes, the, definitely. The time zones that was more just a funny thing, which is um, after the the sort of Bruno fail and I'd sort of, you know, dropped down to about 270 or something, I just thought, oh, this, it's not my year this year. That's okay, and which was good because I wasn't stressing about it for <laughs> weeks <laughs> before I got close at the end. But I... Um, had brought in um, KDB and was not up, you know, for a 4 or 5 a.m. kickoff to watch the game in which um, he then did so well in game week 36. So I remember kind of rolling over and waking up and just sort of getting my phone and thinking, oh, yeah, the, the matches might be on now and, and switched it on. Um, and the commentator said, he just scored straight away as soon as I started watching the game. And I was like, oh, yes, my captain scored a goal. And then the commentator said, and that's four for K- <laughs> the Broider. And I was just like pinching myself. You must have been like, I'm still, actually, I'm still asleep. I'm still asleep. I'm still I? asleep. I must be dreaming. <laughs> so, yeah, you can get some nice moments out of it. Yeah, that well. is. Yeah, I'm sure you really enjoyed that. Imagine the complete opposite. And that was me. I was doing a podcast with Mark at, the, at that exact time. And when he got his fourth, he's just like, oh, what <laughs> for God's sake? <laughs> um, another question. Uh, so these are more kind of um, about. Uh, oh no, actually, let's come to um, FOMO. Uh, do you suffer with FOMO, and does it affect your decision making at all? Do you do you care about kind of effective ownership? Do you worry about what other people have got and, and stuff, or do you kind of just focus on your own your own game? Yeah, I saw that question, and actually, in, in previous seasons, my problems been kind of the opposite, where I'll be too stubborn. And not bring in a player who's doing well because like oh, everyone's got him now and I want to do something different because what's the point of yeah. just kind of going with the crowd once you've kind of already lost out. So that's something, that's a bias that I've been trying to get out of my game. Um, and so, yeah, FOMO, less of a problem. But I think, yeah, whatever your different biases are, I think it's really good to try to, you know, do that research so that you're aware of them and, and can at least try to, be a little bit more objective with um, with your decision making, um, but in terms of the strategy of effective ownership, um, I don't pay much mind to it at all um, until 
sort of the late part of this season when mm. I was looking at, at the rank and, and thinking about number one, um, what I might need to do in terms of differentials and stuff to, to have a chance of, of climbing, even though I knew that I would just as likely fall as well. So, um, yeah, I think, I think depending on your rank goal or the, or the situation in your mini league or, or something like that, sort of towards the end of the season, I would maybe give it a bit more attention then, but otherwise just earlier in the season, just sort of play, play the game in front of you. Yep. Very good. And then final question, uh, obviously it feels like a long way away, but it will come around quickly. We'll be in the 22-23 season kind of before we know it. Uh, best tips for setting up a game week one team from the world number three? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I look back at my um, game week one side to, to think about this and it's, I, think it's, I think it's a little bit of a, a balance of having those sort of solid picks that are going to be no regrets and, and stand you in good stead long term um playing the fixtures a little bit so i started with ings this year and even uh even though i think his goals are a bit fluky i think he had some easy <laughs> games to start with and he scored three in, in three of them but um another thing was you know i started with jota instead of Simicast, which a lot of people had because i, I thought you know robertson's going to come back um, soon enough and then that's going to be not only one transfer to get Simicast out but a second one to bring in a third Liverpool player that I'm, I'm going mm. to want to have so trying not to book in too many transfers I think um, would be another thing I would say and and particularly you know next season it's all going to be about um, the new players coming into the league and and whether they're going to hit the ground running or not and i probably am a little bit cautious about that because we've seen so many mm. um even you know lukaku sancho big names for big money in previous seasons um come in and, and take a bit of time to adjust um that i'll probably if i had to make a call now i'd probably be no harland no um, harland team. wow but you know we need to see what the prices are and what preseason <laughs> looks like and, and all that kind of stuff so we'll see but um that's what i'd say I think it's a real testament to kind of long-term planning your your season in general like you know focusing on on not getting too overexcited by these kind of short-term potential players um and, and really focusing on the players that you think you want long-term not booking in transfers uh that kind of sensible style mixed with kind of your own hunches and, and knowledge and and things on the game plus the added stuff of listening to podcasts and, and the model it's kind of perfect season really just just came together so well and yeah congratulations on, on such an amazing season it's been great to talk to you as well thanks so much us been listening to you guys for a long time so great to get a chance to <laughs> come on it's perfect well, well we'll have to catch up next season and and you, you'll be you know um in the top 10 again next season we can catch up and, and see how you're how you're doing all <laughs> well, my mates keep telling me gotta go for do a bit better next time yeah yeah <laughs> come on number three gotta come gotta be number one uh, next season um, Brett thank you so much for joining me it's been amazing to talk to you um, yeah we'll definitely catch up again um, either before the season starts or again next season um, if you're up for it um, but until then uh, enjoy the summer off um, you'll end up with Harland I'm, I'm sure <laughs> but yeah I'll speak to you soon